Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. This episode begins with a reading from Veronica Petty, who shares a manifesto that reminds her to slow down, question, and persist. Here's Veronica. I'm Veronica Petty, founder of Domingo Comms, an original art advice and interior design service focused on using the power of storytelling to create magic in your home. Today, I'll be reading conceptual artist Agnes Dennis' 1970 manifesto. Dennis has described her work as ranging between individual creation and social consciousness. I've had this writing save for a long time and look at it often for inspiration. It reminds me to slow down, question, and persist. A manifesto. Working with a paradox. Defining the elusive. Visualizing the invisible. Communicating the incommunicable. Not accepting the limitations society has accepted. Seeing in new ways. Living for a fraction of a second and penetrating light years. Measuring time in the extreme distances. Long before and beyond living existence. Using intellect and instinct to achieve intuition. Striving to surpass human limitations by searching the mysteries and probing the silent universe, alive with hidden creativity. Achieving total self-consciousness and self-awareness, probing to locate the center of things, the true inner core of inherent but not yet understood meaning, and expose it to be analyzed being creatively obsessive, questioning, reasoning, analyzing, dissecting, and re-examining, understanding that everything has further meaning, that order has been created out of chaos, but order, when it reaches a certain totality, must be shattered by new disorder and by new inquiries and developments. Finding new concepts, recognizing new patterns, understanding the finitude of human existence, and still striving to create beauty and provocative reasoning, recognizing and interpreting the relationship of creative elements to each other, people to people, people to God, people to nature, nature to nature, thought to thought, art to art, seeing reality and still being able to dream, desiring to know the importance or insignificance of existence, persisting in the eternal search. Agnes Dennis, 1970. Thank you. Thank you so much again to Veronica for sharing. Again, the manifesto she read was from artist Agnes Dennis. Now here's my conversation with Elizabeth Walton Egan of Dali. 
slowing down opens up a world of possibility, though it can take on many meanings depending on who you ask. In the business community, next-generation entrepreneurs have recognized the importance of shifting pace to create products that cater to a more conscious way of life. Elizabeth Walton Egan is one of these founders, and she's placing intentionality at the core of her company. Enter Dally, a design-driven lifestyle brand that, in their words, crafts goods with attention to detail and a spirit that has a loose understanding of time. Co-founded in partnership with her husband and creative partner, Kevin Egan, the Dally duo's fast-paced New York City life called attention to a greater opportunity to seize the slow. Currently, Dally's core product includes a botanical hand wash with a mission to infuse meaning in this daily ritual. For Elizabeth, treating these ordinary moments with reverence is an essential part of truly being able to change our habits and our minds when thinking about slowness. And in this interview, she spoke more about her thoughts on building a company that slowly walks the walk, how her personal relationship with Pace has changed, and why she believes in daydreaming. So on that note, enjoy my conversation with Elizabeth Walton E co-founder of Dali. I'm Elizabeth Walton Egan. Outside of Dali, I am wife to Kevin and mom to our 14-month-old toddler, Luke, who's just the light of our life, running around, laughing constantly. He's just such a, such a pleasure. I enjoy my family. I enjoy moving. I make that a priority every day and reading. That's something that I make time for. Amazing. All of those things are probably inspirational and also reminders to slow down though, because it sounds like life moves pretty quickly for you. But on the subject of reading and stories, I think a really nice way to kind of introduce what you're doing and a little bit more about who you are is to have you share a story that made you slow down recently, whether it's an article or a poem or a book and, you know, how it's kind of reinforced why it's so important for us to do that, especially now. A friend of mine shared a poem by Louise Gluck with me recently called Ripe Peach. I don't read a lot of poetry in part because I find it is something that you really have to dedicate the appropriate time to, to get the story, get the message, get the value out of. But this poem sort of stopped me in my tracks. And I thought that the message was so relevant to this conversation because sort of the idea was, you know, you have the fruit around the pit of the peach. And when you eat the fruit, what are you left with? This pit. If you don't eat the fruit, the fruit decays. And sort of to me, what this said is, how do you take advantage of the fruit of your life? How do you enjoy and savor that without waiting too long or going too fast. This poem is just really stuck with me. There was a time only certainty gave me any joy. Imagine certainty, a dead thing. And then the world, the experiment, the obscene mouth famished with love. It is like love, the abrupt, hard certainty of the end. The center of the mind, the hard pit, the conclusion as though the fruit itself never existed, only the end, the point midway between anticipation and nostalgia. So much fear, so much terror in the physical world, the mind frantic, guarding the body from the passing, the temporary, the body straining against it. A peach on the kitchen table, a replica. It is the earth, the same disappearing sweetness surrounding the stone end, and like the earth, available an opportunity for happiness, earth. We cannot possess, only experience, and now sensation, 
the mind silenced by fruit. They are not reconciled. The body, here, the mind, separate. Not merely a warden, it has separate joys. It is the night sky. The fiercest stars are its immaculate distinctions. Can it survive? It is there, light that survives the end, in which the mind's enterprise continues to live, though darting around the room, above the bowl of fruit. Fifty years, the night sky filled with shooting stars, light music, far from away. I must be nearly gone. I must be stone, since earth surrounds me. There was a peach in the wicker basket. There was a bowl of fruit. Fifty years, such a long walk from the door to the table. Stunning. Isn't it interesting? I don't struggle with poetry, but it's something I don't naturally gravitate towards. But I think there's been such a resurgence, especially in this time, just to kind of, I don't know, walk us back to some of the simpler things, which I think this poem has such a beautiful way of of capturing. So thank you for reading that. Of course. I think we're also looking for meaning. And sometimes poetry, poets can express ideas or feelings in ways that you know, scrolling Instagram or, you know, the CNN headlines can't capture. So I think we're looking for connection. And what's interesting, and I'm sure we'll get into this as we continue this conversation, but obviously Slow Stories is very much an advocate of using our kind of volatile, but also beautiful digital landscape to give rise to these stories that maybe we didn't traditionally think to seek out or have access to. And I think through the lens of business and creating brands that sort of speak to creating more accessibility and thought and connection. This is obviously something that we share and curious, in addition to this lovely poem, if there were similar stories or phrases or experiences that sort of led you to realizing that there was a need for Dali, because I think we're also seeing this rise of brands that are really championing simpler, slower moments. So I'd love to kind of have you talk about your story and just the synergy between storytelling and and what you're trying to do with Dally and how it's come to life in the form that it's currently in. Kevin and I have lived these fast-paced New York City lives, and we'd be ships passing in the night, you know, seeing each other when someone was going to bed, basically. And we were looking for moments that we could connect or slow down or transport ourselves. You know, we would look forward to our vacations we were lucky enough to take. But then when we got back, we sort of felt thrown back into this world, this life that was sort of outside of our control. And we had, we just had this idea of looking to create a moment while you're doing something else. So we do all sorts of things multiple times a day without even thinking about it. So washing your hands. I mean, I hope everybody washes their hands, let's say six times a day. You probably don't even register that you're doing it because it's just something that you do so often. But what if you did register? And what if you looked forward to that moment? And what if you actually took advantage and were intentional with that time and simply, you know, repeated the mantra in your head, slow down, simply. Or, you know, if you were to, to see the Dali bottle and you see the name Dali and that reminds you to slow down, how different would your day be? How different would your breathing be, your relationship with your time? We had this idea that we could create something that would be built into your day. So we aren't looking to create a new ritual because I think, you know, people, people have a lot of those, but we wanted to sort of help you be more intentional with those moments that you already have. So the original idea was a brand that would sort of transport you, take you away, 
the original, I haven't told anyone this, the original name was Walden, sort of the idea of like natural and being in the woods. But we ended up going with Dali because the dimension of time and place is so much more interesting, has so much more depth. As sort of an anecdote here, Kevin, my husband and partner on Dali, has a very uh, unique relationship with time. He has a very loose relationship with time. He's a creative. And so I think that serves him well in his work, but it can be challenging day to day. So we always would joke and call him, you know, he's the biggest dilly dallier. So when we were brainstorming names for the brand, we totally as a joke threw in Dali and we worked with Pentagram to develop the, the packaging and the brand design. And they saw Dali in the list and picked it out. We're like, we love this. So this brand, this message is very close to home for us. I love that there's so much kind of, I guess the story and the way that you, you tell it, at least on the website is reminiscent of poetry to me. There's such a lyrical quality to it. And I feel like in addition to the name, language in general has such an important role in kind of telling the greater story of Dali outside of just saying, you know, wash your hands. Exactly. I mean, soap is at its core a commodity, right? You can get all sorts of soap that will clean your cleansers that will clean your hands. And so we wanted to create something that would one, be a design object. So something that would actually elevate how your counter, your sink looks, and maybe something that you would look forward to looking at. We also just didn't see anything in the market that had a strong personality. The sort of designy brands had a lack of personality, and that was sort of the point. Um, and so we totally reject that idea. Kevin is a copywriter as a creative, and so he wrote the copy on the bottle and the website for people who enjoy that. So if you aren't someone who reads that stuff, that's fine. But if you are, you're in for a treat. <laughs> um, we wanted to inject that whimsy and that personality into the experience and the brand because that's what sets it apart. Absolutely. Can you explain a little bit more about the slow, slower, and slowest associates? Sorry, I don't know if I have the order correct. That's that's the correct order. Yeah. So um, we Kevin was just brainstorming some lines for emails and the website and the bottle. He landed on this great sort of description for the for the company of slow, slower, slowest, and associates. And we have it printed on a, a notepad that we actually refer to as our illegal pad. It's available on the website because. We sort of reject the, uh, not reject, I mean, we, law firms are important, but but we wanted to do, sort of do the opposite. We wanted to take something and turn it on its head. And so that concept of slow, slower, slowest and associates has really stuck with us. And I hope it's something that people can identify with and be like, I don't work at this law firm. I'm, I'm part of this firm, this slow, slower, slowest and associates. Yeah, I saw that it was very prominent throughout all of your channels. So I was curious. And I think too, you know, kind of going back to what I was saying about this rise of sort of consumer brands that are really championing slowness and and advocating for just a more conscious way of life. I think Slow Stories is among that kind of group, but something that I've personally been thinking a lot about is the sort of commodification of ideas like slow, the same way we've seen sustainable almost become so widely known that you lose sight of what it actually means based on your experiences so far. How do you think we can build brands that actually stand by these values and instill actionable long-term changes in our relationship with pace? I'm so glad you raised that because, you know, with sustainability, there's sort of greenwashing slow especially in this year, is something that I think a lot of people are thinking about and maybe are embracing in a new way. But but what does it actually mean? And so that's sort of where I would start to answer that question. To me, 
pace and your relationship with pace is about intention. So you can fill your day and, you know, have every minute scheduled, but as long as you're making a decision about how you spend your time, I think that's slow for me, where sort of the speed can hurt is when you are out of control. So you don't have the time to let your brain or your your mind wander. There's no time for daydreaming. There's no time for reflection because you're just go, go, go. I'm a big believer in scheduling free time, for example, which is something that I've been criticized for. But I think it's really important to be intentional about what I'm going to daydream or be intentional about when I'm going to watch TV or whatever it is, because I don't want to let the my life happen to me. I want to take control and also be, I keep using the word intentional, but be intentional about how I spend my time because time is our most valuable currency. To me, that is time is the ultimate luxury. It's the only thing that is not renewable. So I think you can't get more of. Using it wisely, I think is really critical. So with respect to brands, I mean, I think there's sort of the brand identity of what what are the messages that you're trying to put out into the world and do you actually live that? Are you just saying slow down, slow down, but you as a company aren't reflecting, you as a company are working people into the ground, whatever it is. I think that that is similar to sustainability. I think that's just critically important. Pace and, and slowness, I think, is also tied to health. So that can mean mindfulness. That can mean little moments. I think that can mean emotional support can mean emotional tools. So how do you help people understand their relationship with time? How do you help people understand their relationship with themselves? I think that's really interesting. And then I think the last bit here is what you put out into the world as a brand. As humans, um, what is it? Something like you are defined by the seven people you spend the most time with, whatever it is. I think similarly, you're defined by what you follow. So what are you filling your brain with? Is it messages that make you feel good and make you feel calm that make you want to consume more? Or are they things that actually kind of create a negative energy in you? I hope for Dolly that we're always putting out messages that at, the, at its core are there to remind you to slow down. That's our mission. We, we want to let people know it's okay to slow down, but also that provide maybe a little bit of entertainment, have a little whimsy and personality because that's the sort of thing that will stick with you. That's what we're trying to do. And I think you're off to an amazing start and all of those points are so important. And I think, you know, a part of why I started Slow Stories, it was really a culmination of everything that I'm now unlearning. So I wonder, I just, this is just a thought I've also been having, if there will be some sort of checks and balances with how we hold brands who are promoting slowness accountable. And I think stories have a really big role to play in sort of keeping that mission alive and making sure that it translates into something that actually impacts people's lives. And I'm curious, you know, how are you managing that balance of essentially building a startup that's rooted in slowness in this landscape? You know, how has that duality been for you? My personal relationship with pace is a complex one. Right now, Kevin is doing Dally full-time. I'm also working full-time at a tech company where I've been for many years. And we have a 14-month-old toddler. So I wouldn't say I have a lot of free time, but I don't feel rushed and I don't feel busy because I'm doing things that energize me and that I want to make room for. So where I think it can be challenging is when you're forcing things. For example, Dally, we are bootstrapped. We're running this as a small business. We haven't raised any venture funding because I think that forces you to grow 
potentially in unnatural ways. And that's not what I want for the company. That's not what I want for our customers, because I want this to be as organic and natural as possible rather than growth at all costs. So I think the way we have structured our business, hopefully, is conducive to that slower lifestyle. Obviously, we'd like to grow quickly, but we want to do it in the right way. I didn't know you were also in another position. That's amazing. Yes, I am um, on the executive team at, at Yext, if anyone's familiar with Yext. I've been there for eight years. When I started, we were about 50 people and we went public a few years ago and we're like 1,300 people globally. So it's been quite a ride. They're helpful though, in terms of Tremendously. I mean, so Kevin and I, since we met, had always talked about to start a brand because he has this unbelievable creative genius. And I am sort of an operational person. I love bringing things to life and I love growing companies. So we were really excited when we finally landed on this idea that we just couldn't get out of our heads. I think, um, you know, in these worlds and these careers, you are on this sort of treadmill of wanting to achieve more and get the title and get the promotion and generate this much revenue, whatever it is. But is that actually what you want? Is that actually the thing that you should be spending your precious life doing? The big moment for me that changed everything was having a baby. Luke was born six days late and I worked until the end. I literally went to a flywheel class that day, the day I went into labor. <laughs> um, I was sort of very intense until the end, which I regret because I was incredibly tired um, after Luke was born. But I had a pretty tough time transitioning from my high intensity job to sitting on the couch. I mean, that's kind of what you do in the early days. You know, you're nursing a baby for, for me, it was up to six hours a day, just an incredible amount of time. And it was hard for me. I remember telling some people, they're like, that must be so fun. You can sit on the couch and watch TV. And that wasn't what it was because I was sort of stepping away from this vast identity that I had. Um, I vividly remember walking through our neighborhood and it was a Friday at like 5 p.m. So everyone was heading home from work. And I remember these people just like rushing around me and I have this little newborn baby and I couldn't walk that fast. I just remember feeling left out, almost like moreless of what's my identity, what's my purpose. It was really hard. But sort of as the time went on, I realized I was like, wait a second, wait a second. I have this totally backwards. Luke is my ultimate purpose. That is what matters here. And how lucky am I that I get this time to go slowly and linger and watch him grow and really take the time to be like, wait, what do I want? What do I care about? It was actually very freeing and changed everything for me. Yeah. Before you can kind of shift the narrative in what you're building, you have to kind of shift the narrative in yourself. And obviously we've talked about how Dali is doing that through its language and obviously through the name. And something that I think is very core to what I explore on Slow Stories is talking about this idea of slowing down through the lens of storytelling and you know what this idea of slow content storytelling means to each of my guests. You know, I pose that to you. What does this idea of slow content mean in the context of what you're building with Dali? And even just, you know, as you've kind of shifted the narrative within how you view life and work. Yeah, for us, everything that we're doing, we bring craft to. So it took us a very long time to develop the botanical soap formula, for example. We had a really specific idea in mind and we didn't want to compromise. We only wanted to use essential oils, and that's a lot harder to create a really interesting, unique scent. 
for example. Similar with the bottle design, we wanted it to be something that would stand out and be different, but also be recyclable and sustainable. And that's not easy. But by making those intentional decisions and putting sort of craft and quality first, that um, I think allows us to stand out and, and differentiate the brand and, and stand for something more. Similarly with our content, what we're trying to do is bring that same craft. Uh, we're also trying to bring emotion. And I think that that's something that is very challenging to tap into is how do you put content or imagery or copy, whatever out there that is going to make someone feel something and hopefully something positive. That way it sticks with them. That way it actually impacts them. So we're really going for impact over volume. And that may mean, you know, maybe fewer people get it or fewer people care about it, but the ones who do are really going to care. We're also trying to bring some whimsy, maybe some mischief to the, the content that we put out there because that's who we are as, as humans often. And so we, we want to bring that humanity to the brand. We also have a brand first approach to just about everything. What is the memory? What is the impact? What is the message that is going to resonate? If it's not the right message, then we're just not going to do it is sort of how we feel. And I think the last thing here is one of the great things about having your own company and having it be a small business that's independent is you can decide what you want to do or not do. <laughs> There's no editorial calendar. You don't have to do something just because you know you said you would. If it doesn't feel right or it isn't right, you, you just don't do it. So it's really freeing to not have filler content. We aren't doing things to check a box. We're doing things because we feel it's the right thing for our community or the brand. As you were speaking, the one thing that kept coming to mind for me is the humanity. As we have to become more digitally connected during this time, that'll be the thing people will be craving the most. And with that, more conversations around this, I guess, new way of life will inevitably lead to more questions. And something that I think is always interesting when talking to brand builders is if there is a particular question that they hope people start asking them more often. In a lot of, I guess, instances, people only feel compelled to ask about what's right in front of them. And, you know, with Dali, obviously you're pushing the narrative to go one step further, to slow down and to really look around. So for you, is there a particular question that you hope people start asking you as you sort of bring the brand into the world? I love this question. For me, something we think a lot about or Kevin and I have asked each other a lot as we've developed the brand, what did you last daydream about? It's this very intimate thing, daydreaming, because your mind's wandering, maybe you're letting it wander, but what's the crazy thing that you are almost not brave enough to say out loud? The question often reveals our true authentic selves. And I, I once we get back into the world, <laughs> uh, really would like to start asking people that. It's, it's very disarming. And I'm, I think it's a great way to learn about their true authentic self. What have you been daydreaming about? Well, I've been daydreaming about what Dali could be who we could reach, how we can help people's lives, which shells we may be on. It was a more commercial dream, but um, big daydreams for Dali. What have you yeah. been daydreaming about? Uh, writing a book. Right now, um, I'm in a totally slow down end of the year kind of mindset, but this is the perfect time to daydream. You know, this is the time where I think you really should be daydreaming. It's 
tragic to me in a way how we've been kind of conditioned to plot and to scheme versus dream because everything is so much about output and performance. So I'm happy that we're having this conversation now. I think it's a nice tone to set as we end this turbulent year. I completely agree. I think too, to be able to really daydream, it will sort of require this recalibration of how we spend our time to your point, being intentional. And again, as we become more connected, we're really going to have to be discerning about our relationship to everything in our lives. And this is kind of the core question that I always end each of these discussions with, but I think it'll set a nice tone for people who are thinking about their own relationship with pace. Why do you feel that slowing down our relationship to content can ultimately help us live, work, and feel better? And then maybe to add on to that, daydream better too. I think it helps us get to our true selves. There is this message from when we were born sort of around milestones and achievement and you have to do this. And if you do this, you're, you're weird or that's not the right thing for you to be focusing on. And the only person who can make those decisions for you is you. But we have built up these narratives for ourselves that I think the only way we can break down is to slow down and be intentional about what we consume and how we spend our time. We have to sort of um, quiet the noise to be able to hear what it is we really want. And so I think that that to me is sort of the core of living better, working better, feeling better. Conflict comes from the dissonance of how you're acting and living compared to who you really are. That was Elizabeth Walton Egan, co-founder of Dali. You can shop Dali online at dallygoods.com and follow them on social at dallygoods. Stay tuned as we'll be sharing highlights from this episode on our own social channels at Slow Stories Official on Instagram and at Slow Stories Pod on Twitter. I'm Rachel Schwartzman. Thank you so much for tuning in.